Welcome, friends. You're listening to Conversations with Consequences. We are the radio show and podcast of the Catholic Association, where you can get witty and charming conversation about the topics that matter to you with the leading thinkers of your time. If you're listening on the radio, you're listening at 11 a.m. on Fridays on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And if not, you're listening for free wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe at thecatholicassociation.org slash podcasts and search for Conversations with Consequences on all those different podcast uh, delivery apps. We are everywhere. Be sure, if you don't mind, to leave us a rating and a review because that helps other people find our show. I'm Dr. Gracie Christie. I'm your hostess at the Catholic Association's uh, Conversations with Consequences. And today, my good friend and colleague, Andrea Picciotti-Bayer, is joining me. I'm, we're doing a bi-coastal. No, it's a uni-coastal. I'm, on my, I'm in Miami, and she's in D.C. Same coast. We're doing a north-south. We're doing a north-south episode. Gracie, there's a bit of a... It's, it's a beautiful day in Washington. But there's a bit of... It's, there's a bit I of bet a, it's more beautiful in Miami. How's that? I bet it is. No, and part of it is because there's a bit of a dark gray cloud hanging over me because you're not in Washington with us. Oh, I was just there a couple of days ago. I'll, no, be back. I'll be back again soon. Well, and I didn't have the chance to tell you on our way from the airport, from me picking you up on the airport, all the crazy things that's happened in my house. Um, on the way. But I do want to let you know that um, I just got a note from my children's school that one of the girls only has Cheetos for lunch. (gasps) Oh, the horror. (laughs) She's actually thrilled. (laughs) She's actually thrilled about that. Did she pack her own box? (laughs) You know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to keep track of everybody. Um, I want to remind our listeners that between us, we have 15 children, although Andrea's doing all the heavy lifting with 10. (laughs) <laughs> but apparently I'm not I'm not feeding or giving any kind of nutritional value to at least one of the kids. I'm hoping that There's the these, other children, the thinner children, have there. There are these healthy. amazing things at my grocery store. I'm sure they're at your grocery store. They're called Lunchables. You buy no, those five are of totally them. Totally first, super expensive and gross. Oh. You really like that? No, I well, you just made me feel bad. <laughs> Your kids have been eating gross food. No, I'm sure your kids are. Um, okay, doing no, just okay, fine. so I don't always pack them a lunchable, but sometimes when we're running late and things are a little crazy, I throw in a lunchable. How's and you that? You can't make a fresh panini. Yes, um, but I, I do. Bringing us back to Washington and the fact that you're not here is made a little bit easier because we've been able to have um, bring into the studio, and in, in a little bit we'll have them. Two really fantastic people that I think are responsible for um, the formation of of Catholics in Washington. Perhaps you could, yeah, so, give a little you know, brief introduction. I was trying to, to remember. So, okay, so we're going to have Father Charles Trujols, who is a priest of Opus Dei, uh, from or, originally from Barcelona. He was an architect and then studied uh, in Rome to become a priest. And for the last couple of years, he is the spiritual director and DC chaplain of the of the um, the Catholic Information Center, which is a center right near the the White House, where they have daily mass, a bookstore, spiritual direct- direction, daily confessions, um, and where they are influencing the lawmakers in our nation's capital, which is amazing. I think that's such a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a tabernacle right super close to the that has to be emanating all sorts of wonderful things mm-hmm. towards the, the Capitol and all our lawmakers and executives and all that. Um, and also joining us will be Emma Boyle. She is the director of one of their program, one of their very special programs called the Leo 9 Forum, 
which is a formation program for young professionals and, and I think college students as well. And we're going to hear all about that in a little bit. Well, and it's incredible. Um, if anyone is interested in learning what you can do uh, on a grand scale in the place that you live, look at CIC. I mean, Washington, you wouldn't think this is going to be a place where you can get profound Catholic formation, um, but you can, and you can get it at CIC. I think it's, well, we'll hear about um, what they're trying to duplicate in other cities, but it's it's a great charge to all of us. Wherever you are, you can make a difference um, in, in the church and in, in your community. And I just exactly remembered the done. first time I was at the CIC Center was for a media training, actually, for Catholic Voices. That's how... I, this was how many years ago? Four years ago, I think. This is how I became uh, part of the media. So now we're in the media. This is radio and uh, podcasts. So let's bring in our guests. Welcome, Father Charles and Emma Boyle to Conversations with Consequences. Thank you very much. Thank you. Father, maybe we can start with you. Uh, so we've told our listeners what the CIC more or less is, but maybe you, since uh, you know a lot more about it, you can give our listeners sort of a mental picture of what the Catholic Information Center looks like, what it does, and, and why it is located exactly where it is. Sure. So the Catholic Information Center is a chapel in the middle of Washington, downtown D.C. It has a beautiful bookstore. So this is what you see from the street is located on, on K Street, just two blocks north from the White House in a very uh, busy place. And the, the mission of the CIC is to bring Christ alive in the hearts and minds of everyone working downtown and in the city and you know around the country. Because as uh, you know, Washington is a very, very transient city with people coming and going and uh, looking for answers and looking for Christ. Hmm. So the CIC mm -hmm. has always been there for the last um, 60 years almost. Father, um, one of the things that's interesting about the CIC is you, you see a lot of regulars there. Um, and you've developed, and, and we'll talk more about kind of the developing the the interest that people have to go there on a daily basis, whether it's for mass or for formation or spiritual direction. But do you find a lot of walk-ins? Absolutely. So there are many people who come in just browsing the bookstore, or um, we just um, we have a sign outside of, of our location that says daily mass and confessions before and after mass, and it's in, mi in the middle of, of the street. So <laughs> it's a very nice. <laughs> it's a very um, in the middle. Of I've seen it. I've seen that sign. It's very appealing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so people come in, and then they also discover that there is a chapel where they can pray. They can um, they see a priest. I'm there all the time, you know, from Monday <laughs> to Friday. Which is curious, because you're also everywhere else. Um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have mm, the power of bilocation yet, but I'm working <laughs> on that. <laughs> Father, when I've... Uh when I've been to the CIC, I've been, I've been really struck by the location. You just mentioned it's right near the White House. And if this is a place where you hope to form professional men and women, uh, obviously you chose that, that location very specifically. What, why, what, did, what does it mean to be in the center of the, of the capital, the, basically the capital of the world in, in, one sen in some senses? Yes, there is a, there is a, um, a huge concentration of great uh, professionals in, in that area. Um, we have law firms and um, non-profit organizations, and we have people working in government 
or in think tanks, and there are uh, hill staffers or you know government staffers. There are military personnel working in that in that area. There are um, economists. So all those people need um, the nourishment of the sacraments of the spiritual life. So this is why we chose, or it was chosen because I was not there and then, but we have been there for so many years precisely to bring um, the, and the spiritual life and the nourishment and, and bring Christ to all those uh, professionals and, and people of all uh, ways of life that are going to be making decisions for, uh, in our country and for our country and in their families and at home. So um, it's a very specific um, and location that has been thought and, and we, are, we are staying there. So we are very happy to have this opportunity to accomplish this great mission. Father, could you tell us a little bit about the relationship that the CIC has with the Archdiocese of Washington? Yes, so this, uh, the CIC is an agency of the Archdiocese of Washington. Hmm. Um, we have, for, since 1957, it's been in existence. Um, it was before what is now. It was a lending library in the area where we are. It was a different location, and it was run by the Redemptorist priests until 1992, in which um, Cardinal James Hickey, uh, the Redemptorist uh, left the um, the running of the, of the CIC because of because of personal um, difficulties in in finding uh, manpower to run it. So uh, Cardinal Hickey approached Opus Dei. I'm an Opus Dei priest of the prelature of Opus Dei, and since then, since 1992, the director of the Catholic Information Center has always been an Opus Dei priest. However, um, you know, the, 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 the Catholic Information Center depends uh, on, on the archdiocese. So the, the Bishop of, of Washington is always my, um, my boss. Uh, <laughs> I'm very happy, and I pray always for Bishop uh, Wilton now. Emma's probably going to be scandalized um, because you're like 23, 24, 25. Close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Father, I first met the CIC in 1998 when it was in before when it was in its its prior location and I came back a few years ago and met your predecessor and a friend of mine said when she found out I was going to be interviewing you ask father charles how he met father arnie so i met father arnie many years ago when i was um, a teenager um, I, I came to the us with my parents on, on a trip we were visiting california and father arnie who was not at, in Washington then, he was um, ministering there in, in, in California. So we, I think we met him in, in San Francisco and I, I went to a church with my parents and my family. And then I remember going to confession um, and at the end of the confession, Father Arnie came out to greet this family from, from Spain. Hmm. And, and you know, I didn't know who Father Arnie was so I introduced myself, and that was my first contact. And then I never saw him again. So I <laughs> Little went back did to Spain. you know. <laughs> God's kind of funny. And then I, I went through life, right? I became an architect, and then I, I went to Rome to study uh, for the priesthood, for the prelature of Opus Dei. And I studied there for seven years. And then one day, Father Arnie passed through Rome, 
and I, I saw him, and I then I remember that's the priest. I <laughs> went to confession to him in the U.S. So I reintroduced myself, and and I saw I didn't see him again until I you know I finished my studies. My um, I did canon law and my doctorate in canon law, and then I returned to Spain for my first two years as a priest. And then when I was asked if I would like to move to the U.S. And I said immediately, yes, um, <laughs> well, it took me some Little time. Little did you know. And, uh, <laughs> and um, anyway, so, and then I arrived in the U.S. I, I lived in Pittsburgh, in South Bend, in, in Chicago, and all of a sudden, and I am asked to go to Washington, D.C., to take the reins of the Catholic Information Center, and Father Arnie, it comes in, in my life again. <laughs> so he was a very saintly priest, um, a good mentor, a friend, um, and anyway, he was loved here in Washington DC and he did so much good for, for the city and, and for the country. Well, you have very big uh, shoes to fill, Father Charles. Absolutely. Well, and, and for, you know, for and the listeners who don't know, Father Arnie passed away how many years ago? Two years ago, two and a um, half years ago. And is it left an imprint, uh, a lasting imprint? Yes, um, in so many souls, um, you know, People, again, coming to the CIC, uh, priests, uh, all kinds of people of all kinds of uh, ways of lives. I think on this, on our podcast uh, show notes, we're going to link to that wonderful book that was written about uh, Father Arnie. What was it called? By Mary Everstadt. By Mary Everstadt. It's called, it's the last homily. The last last homily. homily. That's right. It's a beautiful uh, book. Yeah, it's an interview. uh, It's an interview. Yeah, he was, um, Mary Everstadt, interviewed him in his last months of life um, and it goes through a variety of, of themes and it was it was really really amazing I think our listeners that don't know the CIC personally could get a very a very imp- a very impressive impression of of what kind of uh, direction spiritual direction was taking place at the CIC under Father Arnie and of course now under you as you have taken the reins of, of the place Father yeah. Charles and I'm looking at your at the website and it lists uh, how many um, people are going through the CIC it's not a very big place it says 30,450 plus annual event engagement over the last year 13,000 plus annual daily mass attendees and over 6,000 annual confessions and spiritual direction appointments. So I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> well, thank God I, I, get, I have some help, right? And a great team of people who are helping me and, and other uh, priests who also are very generous with their time. And they, uh, I mean, I'm, I cannot do that all by myself, right? <laughs> but it's, yeah, we are, the team is completely dedicated to our mission and to um, the new evangelization that John Paul II had in in his heart. And what kind of annual events do you hold? I've been to one, or I think I've been to two. One was on adoption. That I think the National Review Institute held uh, a, a conference there on adoption, and I spoke. And um, there was another one, but I can't remember what it was. But what kind of things do you do? Yeah, in, we in have we have we host uh, many speakers throughout the year. Um, they top. They talk about different um, topics related to our faith, to the church, um, to current uh, issues um, that are interesting in, in our in our uh, society, and we have book signings, and uh, so it's a very alive place full of um, you know intellectual um, uh, content and, and spiritual content, right? 
You know, Father, I'm going to make a little brief confession here. I was trying to figure out, sorry, we'll do this. <laughs> you can listen, Emma, as well. <laughs> that um, in planning out who we're going to have on and the themes and the topics that are most of interest, I was thinking, gosh, how am I going to figure this all out? And then I realized, I'm just going to look at the CIC website. Because there, you guys are really at the cutting edge as far as knowing who are the great authors um, that are writing, not just kind of Catholic spiritual writing, but also um, the work that Catholics today in the middle of the world need to be reading to understand to inform ourselves. And so um, don't be surprised if there's a curious mirror image that you see in the people that we, we asked to come in and the people that you have in, because you've done a wonderful job. Thank you. We just redesigned our website to be able to reach out to more people and to. And now we have all our speakers and series and programs are uh, featured there, so you can go to the website and listen to them afterwards. You know. Um, anyway, and then also we stream, we we um, live stream the um, different also events, um, and we have the our annual gala every year. You know, um, super fun. We May. love it. Oh my gosh, is it super fun? <laughs> <laughs> and we give every year uh, an award for um, a person who has excelled in the new evangelization that again John Paul II had in mind. And um, and this this year we gave the award to uh, Robbie George. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're part of the Robbie George fan club. <laughs> he gave a great speech. We also love the speech given by his one of his students who admires him very much, um, a Jewish yes. a Jewish fellow that yeah. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, the, the Mayflower, the hotel where we always host the gala was, you know, very um, well. Bursting at the exactly. seams. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like everyone, everyone who was ever, anyone was there. What's great, too, is, is you've created a lot of alliances with other organizations in the city. Um, Mary Hassan from the Catholic Women's uh, Forum is, is a dear friend of Conversations with Consequences, and I know that you've done a lot of kind of co-sponsoring of events. How has that been for you to reach out to these other groups that are, are helping inform and educate? We, well, we have, um, all of us have a, you know, a common mission, right? And it, again, we cannot do that by ourselves, and we have great um, institutions and organizations out there that can benefit. Um, we, we team up, right, to um, bring the faith and, and Christ uh, to, to Washington, D.C., and, and being together as, um, as a team um, makes, I mean, makes the Catholic Information Center and these organizations also um, shine and be more effective. So I'm very proud. I'm very happy uh, to have all these partnerships with all these organizations. I think they're happy to have them as well. <laughs> <laughs> Father Charles, we're going to take a very quick break, and then we'll come right back, and we'll, we'll talk to our other guest, uh, Emma Boyle, who's been very patiently sitting, but we want to hear from her too. Absolutely. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. I'm your hostess, Dr. Gracie Christie, joined today by my good friend and colleague at the Catholic Association on Conversations with Consequences, Andrea Picciotti-Bayer. Hello, Andrea. Hey, Gracie. We are also 
very fortunate to have two guests with us uh, from the Catholic Information Center in D.C., Father Charles Trujols and Emma Boyle, who is the director of one of their very important programs called the Leonine Forum. And we're going to hear from Emma about that. But before that, we wanted to bring, out, bring up something that Father Charles did this, this, uh, this year um, that was very important, very impressive. Gracie, I, I was mentioning to Father a couple uh, days ago that I was listening on the radio to the National Day of Prayer and the prayer that was beginning, and I heard what I thought was one of the most profound catecheses on the Catholic faith and the person that gave the first prayer. And uh, what was a delight is to find out who that was. Father, could you tell us a little bit about what happened that day? Well, I was I was at the CAC um, a week um, before, more or less, the National Day of Prayer, which is celebrated the first uh, Thursday of, of May. Uh, it's a bill passed by Congress in the 1950s asking the president to pray for the country. And this uh, administration has incorporated a new event at the White House, uh, an interfaith event uh, asking different religious leaders to pray for the country. So this year, um, I received this phone call uh, asking if I would be interested or um, um, willing to to be the kind the, the Catholic representative for the country. So I was <laughs> I was shocked, right? Did you yeah. faint? I, I I almost fainted. Um, but that, that's, that's that's the, the the beauty of the Catholic Information Center. We are there to serve and. Uh, and I said, well, what do I have to do? And they asked me to write a two-minute prayer, which um, had to be kind of original, right? Um, and, uh, and, and send it, right? Um, so this is what I did. I, I, I spent almost five hours <laughs> writing a two-minute <laughs> prayer, right? Um, but thinking about all the things that um, matter to us that need to be, uh, we need to pray for, uh, for our country. And uh, when I arrived at the Rose Garden and I had in front of me um, the president, the first lady, the vice president, the second lady, and so many <laughs> guests and, and reporters, um, and then I was asked to be the first one to, um, to say the prayer. Uh, oh, that is so thrilling. Blessed and honored. Anyway. No, we'll, uh, we'll definitely in include a link uh, on the show notes of this podcast because, again, like I said, it was um, in two minutes you really packed the faith in. It was really, really good. The best five minute, five hours of preparation you've probably done in <laughs> for a two-minute prayer. Well, anyway. it was certainly worth it. It's a, that's a very, a, a very spectacular point, uh, a place to speak to. So many people, so many millions of people, I'm sure. Yeah. We're yeah. paying attention. There's so many good people of faith in the United States. It's a country that doesn't lose its, its faithful religious roots. Even even as the decades and go by, right? Don't you think, Father? Absolutely, I think that this is a great. Our country is great, and and this aspect is is uh, thriving. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. people are not ashamed to to search and quest for for transcendence. Yes, and it, it's wonderful that the CIC is there to provide that to yes. to people who are really making decisions for the rest of us. And 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 it's wonderful that you're teaching them to lead. That you can. That you're available to teach them to lead lives of integrity. Well, Father, um, perhaps you and Emma can talk to us a little bit about the vibrancy of the different kinds of programs that you're offering at CIC. And what's interesting, they're all kind of tying back to forming the person. You know, you're not, although you've got these great numbers, I know that every person that you interact with 
it's their soul that you're concerned about. Um, it's their path, hopefully to heaven, that you're going to be accompanying them on. So if, if we could maybe spend the rest of this conversation talking a little bit about the diversity of, of activities that you have going on. Sure. One program that originated at the CIC is the Leonine Forum, and it's a program specifically for young professionals that Father Arnie founded with Mitch Borsma in 2013 to serve the young professionals who are already coming to the CIC. They were coming for mass and events and spiritual direction. And Father Arnie and Mitch saw that there was a need for a particular formation for these for these young professionals to bring them together so that they could study, so that they could uh, discuss and grow in community together. And the Leonine Forum has continued to grow in the last uh, six and a half years. It has now expanded to New York and Los Angeles and next fall to Chicago while continuing to thrive in Washington, D.C., uh, where we're continued to be hosted by the Catholic Information Center. Now, do you find that young people have kind of the faith foundation when they come into the Leonine uh, form, or is it is it that you're building up their understanding of the faith along, or yeah, is it kind I, of both? I, I would say I would say both. Uh, we do want to engage the person and, and serve the person, you know, and meet each person where he is, where she is. Um, so we have a lot of people who maybe they attended a, an outstanding university and maybe they received some of this formation, but maybe they didn't um, to receive this this teaching in uh, the church's social doctrine and uh, to continue to, to dive into these documents and the, the legacy of what the church has to teach us about living our faith in the public sphere. These young people, Emma, are specifically... Uh Joint, you want them there because you see in them uh, that they're going to be leaders uh, going forward. Right? Absolutely. And they come from a diversity of professional backgrounds. And uh, they, they have demonstrated both uh, an eagerness for this teaching and formation and also a capacity for leadership and a desire to live their faith in their personal and professional lives. And that's what we seek to serve them in. And what does leadership look like? from a, a young professional who's been trained at the Leonine, Leonine Forum. What makes them special? Uh, we like to say that leadership is service. And so we see young professionals who want to uh, live out their faith in a, in a real way, in an authentic way, and do that in their personal lives, in their families, but then also in their professional lives. And we look to these great patrons that we have, you know, that our name, the Leonine Forum, comes from these two great popes, uh, Leo the Great from the mid-400s, who defeated Attila the Hun and <laughs> spoke eloquently about the Incarnation. And then, of course, Leo the Thirteenth from mm -hmm. the late 19th century, who is uh, credited with, with bringing about this modern yeah. manifestation mm -hmm. of the social teaching of the church. A couple of months ago, we were, a couple of weeks ago, we were speaking with George Weigel, who was talking about exactly this Leonine revolution, where the church really kind of started to engage with modernity in the modern world. Uh, and I was wondering when I was like, how did they come up with that name? Yeah, Excellent. and I, I love that term, <laughs> the Leonine Revolution, because the church is unafraid of the problems of the modern world, and the church has an answer to yeah. every one of the problems. Mm -hmm. And while these problems continue to uh, you know, change and develop as society changes and develops, the truth is eternal. And mm -hmm. so the truths of our faith and uh, the truths of the church are continually applicable and continually 
uh, serve as a resource for us in our daily lives. And what does the Leonine Forum look like in action? They- so we bring in a group of, we call them Leonine Fellows, through an application process, and then they form a cohort in each city, and then that cohort will come together 10 times throughout the academic year, so between October and June, for a monthly session. So there's a a reading, maybe 50 to 80 pages of reading, and these are uh, important encyclicals and documents from the church uh, dealing with a particular issue. And so we start out with an exploration of the theology and philosophy that underpins our understanding of the human person. And then in the second half of the year, we turn to more practical applications of uh, social teaching in our daily lives. Do you meet on, on the weekends? No, we meet on a weeknight. So in D.C., we meet at the Catholic Information Center, gather for either mass or adoration to start us off. We have time to, to gather and, and have a conversation. We have a, a session that's presented by um, a major thought leader from either the city or uh, elsewhere in the United States. And then over dinner, we continue the, the discussion. Now, I've seen I, I'm a Facebook friend of Father Charles, I think. I think we're friends. I think we're friends beyond Facebook, but I think that I'm a Facebook friend <laughs> or, or other people that tag, <laughs> that, that tag um, Father Charles. A lot of the Leonine fellows go out of their city as a group to some of the most important parts of, of our faith, right? To go to Rome or maybe you can talk a little bit about those experiences because it strikes me as being life-changing. And yes, we, can, we just started um, pilgrimages, right, uh, to bring all those, the opportunity to all those fellows to experience um, and the, the roots of our faith. And we just went to um, the Holy Land awesome. uh, a year and a half ago. It was an amazing experience. I had never been there myself. I was um, taken aback and hmm. um, we had, uh, Emma was with us as well, and we had a group of 40 people. And then we, last year we went to Rome um, as well, of course, and we had also a great um, spiritual experience. Well, I lived there for seven years, so I know Rome really <laughs> well. But, uh, but yeah, but that's part of our program as well, right? To bring um, these fellows uh, to experience personally um, the faith that, um, that we are uh, learning about uh, at, the Leonine, at the Leonine program. Well, and it really connects people, not only within your program, but within the universal church, right? Especially when we kind of go back home to Rome or to the Holy Land. Yeah, and then the the Leonine Forum is a program open to uh, everyone. Uh, Most of them are Catholics, but we have uh, people who are not Catholic, um, and they want to learn more about mm, what the church teaches in these areas of human dignity and the common good. And I was was uh, taking a tour of... Um, the Supreme Court uh, just recently and this uh, I was introduced to this uh, clerk um, clerking for one of the justices and I asked her um, what she was doing and and she uh, I told her listen and you should look into um, the Leonine program that we have at the Catholic mm-hmm. Information Center and they said she said oh Father Charles I, I already know about the program and okay so <laughs> What are you waiting for? And then, and then she mentioned, well, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not Catholic. And I said, well, don't worry. There are many um, fellows who are not Catholic, and they enjoy the program. And then she says, well, 
the thing is that I, I really don't, uh, I'm not thinking of becoming a Catholic. <laughs> and I said, well, you don't have to become a Catholic. Don't worry. We, nobody's going to push you or anything. It's just, and then she mentioned, well, I've heard from my friends that there are some people who have become Catholic. So um, we, we, you know, we enjoyed the conversation. And anyway, so, so that's the, the Leonine Forum is a very alive um, great uh, program that uh, Emma is uh, behind the scenes organizing everything and we, we are very happy um, of having having her on so, board. So Gracie and I are a lot like um, the mothers of the sons of thunder. <laughs> a mother that we're always like, how do we get our kids in that? How, how do we, um, especially that we've passed the age in which it's a, uh, an eligibility age, I guess, uh, but we have young people that we know how do we direct them? What would you recommend is the best way to get that information out to them? Sure. So our application process kicks off every year in the late spring, and it is a competitive process, especially in D.C., uh, but that will kick off in May or June, and it continues through the summer, and then the formal program itself runs the academic year. And do you find that once um, the the members, the fellows leave the program, they still stay connected with... Absolutely. Absolutely. I myself was a, was a member of the yeah. first class in 2013 and 2014. And that's one of my favorite aspects of the Leonine Forum is how that community is ongoing after that first year. Um, and friendships are sustained and friendships are formed through this program. And the pilgrimage is one great example of that. Mm-hmm. But we host many other events, I would say two to four events a month, um, throughout the year, where fellows, we see them continue to come back and they bring their husbands and wives. And uh, we have talks and we have happy hours and retreats. We have an Advent retreat coming up and uh, service opportunities. So it's a very vibrant community. Mm-hmm. When you started the program, it started in, in D.C. and then you expanded to the other cities? That's right. So in 2017, it expanded to New York City. And our chaplain there is Father Roger Landry. And <laughs> we love oh, Father Landry. Yes. <laughs> Father Landry is part of this uh, podcast right. and radio show, That's you know. That's right. He's, he's in all the good places. <laughs> and then this fall, uh, we were fortunate to expand to Los Angeles, which that's been a great start yeah. so far. A phenomenal group of people out in L.A. And then, as I said, next year we'll expand to Chicago. And I cannot believe when I was there uh, for the kickoff of the program in Los Angeles just um, a month ago, um, I could see the difference um, of fellows uh, from DC. We have tons of lawyers here in DC, but yeah. in um, in Los Angeles, you had techie have, types. Uh, yeah, and uh, people working in, in the Hollywood in Hollywood. Yeah, so, in Hollywood, of course. Gosh, so it's such a it's such a privilege to serve all of those different areas and to engage the culture in all of these diverse ways in each city. You I were talking. I keep thinking of this image, Gracie, of like a a placid pond and a little pebble. And obviously, you guys are kind of like a rock being thrown into, and there's so much rippling going out. Um, It's a a great model, and it's it's already affected so many people. I was I was impressed. I was thinking very much about what you said about people who aren't Catholic taking advantage of these teachings of our church. And I, my older my older children in college or already out of college, they've told me many times that when they went to college, they found that as Catholics, they had a deeper, they had a philosophical foundation to apply to the problems of their lives and also to apply to their to the things they were studying. And they found that their friends who weren't Catholic didn't have these f- philosophical, this philosophical background in order to be able to think in, in certain sort of deeper, more complicated ways. 
And uh, it occurs to me that, that yes, there's a, there, maybe without places like the CIC and the Leonine Forum, many people wouldn't have that, um, the, anywhere to find, you know, to drink from that well. It's a, one, it's a well of philosophical teachings. It doesn't have so much, it doesn't have to be a Catholic uh, person who drinks from it, but it, it will inform people for all those professional endeavors and one, their personal lives. One fellow recently said, a fellow who is not Catholic said, um, you know, I was told that Catholics are mean and stupid. But really? I know I know so many Catholics, he said. <laughs> I know so many Catholics who are kind and who are intelligent. And I want to know what they believe and why. Beautiful. And mm-hmm. so there was a beautiful opening, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that he wasn't Catholic himself, but that he understood through this personal witness of his Catholic friends that there was something more there. And so now he is ready to engage with these deeper teachings. Mm-hmm. Emma and Father, um, Emma, you, you bring up a good point, and that's misunderstanding the faith and, and people of the faith. And I was wondering, uh, in, in particular here in Washington, the church has um, faced a couple um, horrible Incidents that have come revelations about um, churchmen and and leadership or lack of leadership. How has that affected your ability to reach people? What what has been the new challenges that you've seen, um, and what have been the happy surprises? We are all affected by this. You know, everyone in the church is wounded, is is suffering uh, in these days, and what it calls us all to again and again is a reconversion to Jesus Christ. And so we are continuously recalled to that foundation to be rooted in the sacraments, to be rooted in personal prayer, and to be rooted in personal holiness. And so I take it as a great call to action for all of the laity to rise up and to undertake this formation uh, in a in a serious way so that we can be part of the be part of the solution and heal the church. Father, where can more people hear about the the CIC? I, I, you have a great website, CICDC.org. Yes. Uh, but obviously you have things going on in L.A. and in, and in um, New York City. Yes. Tell us how people can find out what you're doing and, and how to get there. Well, um, normally people talk about this, and so the word-of-mouth system mm-hmm. uh, or channel is really important in our programs. At the same time, we are constantly reaching out through social media, and trying to, um, you know, um, show what we have, what we offer. And, uh, and so I encourage everyone, you know, not just in Washington, but in all the country to um, to talk about the CIC. And if they come to, the, to Washington, please come mm-hmm. to the CIC because we have the closest um, tabernacle to mm-hmm. the White House. So we have a plaque there, right? Oh, nice. And uh, we ask people to pray for the nation. Yeah. Um, and our Father and Hail Mary and uh, Glory be. So that's a very important Catholic landmark, the CAC for everyone mm-hmm. in the country. Well, I just found you on Twitter because I'm looking. You're at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm a I'm a new follower on, on Twitter. CICD at CICDC on Twitter, and I'm sure we can find you on Facebook as well. And again, CICDC.org. Thank you so much, Father Charles and Emma Boyle, for spending this time with us. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. Every morning, the Catholic Association reviews all the latest news and sends our subscribers a carefully curated collection of the most important news of the day. 
Items are specifically selected for a smart Catholic audience like you. Don't let the world take you by surprise. Subscribe to our daily media roundup at thecatholicassociation.org. This week, as is customary, Father Roger Landry gives us a short but brilliant homily on this coming Sunday's Gospel. Please stay tuned for Father Landry and do look up his daily homily, written and audio, on his website, catholicpreaching.com. This is Father Roger Landry, and it's a joy to have a chance to ponder with you the consequential conversation God wants to have with us this Sunday. Last week on the first Sunday of Advent, we began a new year in the Church. Advent is a time of spiritual reawakening and growth, a call to get up, get excited, and get moving toward Jesus, who never ceases to come to us. But to have this renewed, life-changing encounter with Jesus, we first have to confront and overcome the obstacles that might be in the way between him and us. The biggest barrier of all are our sins and the way we hold on to them rather than allow the Lord to take them away. That's why on the second Sunday of Advent each year, in order to get us ready to make a totally fresh start, God sends us the same person he sent to get the people of Israel ready to encounter, embrace, and follow his son Jesus when Jesus finally reveals himself at the Jordan River. St. John the Baptist announces for us anew, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And he tells us what's involved in that road repair. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the ancient world, the dirt roads were a mess. Every time there was a battle, the roads would be attacked and bridges destroyed to try to stop the advance of the enemy. The weather took its toll as well, leading to all types of serious pothole and other obstacles. Any time a dignitary would be coming, they would have to either fix the roads or build new ones so that the rolling caravan accompanying the dignitary could arrive without hassle or delay. St. John the Baptist is telling us, that to get ready for the Lord who is coming to us this Advent, we too need to prepare a road for him. We too need to make the path straight. 2,000 years ago, preparing such a path meant a great deal of manual labor, making crooked paths straight, rough ways smooth, and even charting paths through the forests, mountains, and valleys. For us, that pathway will not be traced in the ground, but within. It will not be made in the wilderness, but in our day-to-day life. It's not something that will make our hands dirty, but our souls clean. St. John the Baptist indicated the necessary road repair, quoting the prophet Isaiah. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. He's calling us to level the mountains of our pride and egocentrism, to fill in the valleys that come from a shallow prayer life and minimalistic way of living our faith and to straighten out whatever crooked, sinful paths we've been treading. This work won't be accomplished principally by willpower and elbow grease, but by God's power and amazing grace. The way we receive this help of God to cleanse the path between Jesus and us of the worst obstacles of all is the sacrament of confession. We need to be as attentive clearing the way for Christ through this sacrament as highway workers are to remove dead deer from the high speed lane. This Sunday, December 8th, is also normally the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, which this year will be transferred to Monday. But there's a great connection between the second Sunday of Advent and the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Mary lived at the culmination of that first Advent, longing with her fellow Jews for the Messiah, and then after the Annunciation, welcoming that Messiah within her womb. She was prepared by God for the first Christmas through 
God's keeping her free from all stain of original sin from the first moment of her life in the womb of her mother, St. Anne. She was the fulfillment of the prophetic proto-gospel in the book of Genesis when God told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. From the first moment of her existence, Mary had this enmity, this hatred for the devil and for sin. Ever since Jesus gave her as our mother on Calvary, she has been especially committed to helping us have a similar enmity towards sin. To live Advent well is to have that enmity, like Mary toward the devil, his evil works and his empty promises. God kept Mary free from the clutches of sin by her immaculate conception. He severs the cord between us and sin through baptism and then confession. That's why John the Baptist is sent to each second Sunday of Advent to have a consequential, life-changing conversation with us. Perhaps the most famous Catholic hymn for the second Sunday of Advent is on Jordan's Bank, in which, as many of us will hear this Sunday, we will proclaim, Then cleansed be every soul from sin. Make straight the way of God within. Prepare we in, a, in our hearts a home where such a mighty guest may come. That mighty guest is on his way. Let us allow him to take off of us the shackles of sin through making the best confession of our life this week so that we can run to meet him and run with him all the way up the path to the heavenly Jerusalem. God bless you all. Thank you so much, Father Landry, for that weekly treat that you give us here at the Catholic Association's Conversations with Consequences. We've had a very uh, consequential conversation, I think, today uh, with our friends from the Catholic Information Center in D.C. No, it's been great, Gracie. And and I'm glad that they've left the studio because I'm going to pull a, do a plug for them. Uh, on, on the CIC website, you can make donations. Um, what they're doing, yeah. No, we're doing like a share a where could your money? Where could your money be better spent than influencing uh, in a beautifully deep, philosophical, intellectual way the lawmakers who are deciding so many things for us? Well, and the people supporting them. I mean, there are people that are working within the government with organizations and agencies, the deep state. law firms. No, law firms. <laughs> the, you know, the main thing is... It, People, people are all over the place, and you've got to figure out um, how to make your money go far. And I think any kind of contribution to CIC is is an incredible investment, investment in both the young people that are going there, but also the, the place that's there for for everyone in, in D.C. And, and if you do come and visit the nation's capital, pop in. Pop in, make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, go to Mass, buy a book, um, see Father Charles, visit with Emma and the other folks that are working there. It's really there. a stop in that in that uh, that list of things, the must-sees of yeah. Washington, D.C., right? It's it right. really is. You have to hit the Jefferson Monument and the Washington Monument and the CIC. <laughs> and the Basilica. <laughs> and no, the Basilica. it really was great. Hey, and um, I just wanted, Gracie, just in case you were concerned, I got a text um, while we were uh, doing the recording that... Um, my child has had a salad ordered for her lunch. So oh in addition God. to horror. Cheetos. Cheetos. No, I know. I was like, she's going to be devastated. But apparently she was <laughs> interested in making I hope they didn't take up. away her Cheetos. Did they take away no, her Cheetos? No, I think it compliments. I think when you think Cheetos, you think, what's going to go well? What pairs well with Cheetos? Salad, salad. and Cheetos. Right? So, but the, despite... I never torture my children. <laughs> I always let them eat Cheetos. <laughs> Well, look, you know, you know, I, don't, there are so I don't do many, moderation, you know. Th that's why we love you. 
But anyway, um, you know, look up all the stuff that's going on at CIC and and yeah, think check about check our podcast notes. There's there, we're going to have some great links uh, to all these wonderful things that they're doing over at the CIC and how you can get involved, <laughs> and especially donate. on the donations. Absolutely. <laughs> You've been listening to Conversations with Consequences, a service of the Catholic Association. And be sure to subscribe to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in Conversations with Consequences and do rate and review the show on your podcast app. It helps us a lot and helps other people find our show. So thank you for joining us this week and we'll be talking to you soon.